This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my co-host and mom, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. Well, it's uh, so great to have some wonderful people that we've met at TCF on our show. I I love that more than anything because it's just such a great organization and such a great group, isn't it, Heidi? It really is. And um, I did a YouTube with Debbie as you said, at the Compassionate Friends. And for those of you listening, all you need to do is put go to our YouTube channel or else put in our, our guest name, Debbie Gossen. Debbie, is your last name spelled pronounced Gossen? It's Gossen. Gossen, there we go. Okay, Debbie Gossen at uh, Open to Hope YouTube, and it'll come right up and you can look at it. And uh, Debbie, you're really going to be interested in in hearing about what she's done with her daughter's uh, poetry and pictures and art. Really uh, wonderful. And Heidi, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about Debbie so we can talk more about that. Absolutely. So um, you just heard Debbie's voice, and she's here with us today as well. And we are going to be talking about remembering through poetry and pictures. Uh, Debbie Gosen is a registered nurse currently working in in oncology and a nationally certified grief management specialist. Her daughter, Kristen Lund, died at the age of 20 in 2001 due to complications from an autoimmune disease. Following Kristen's death, a collection of her poetry and pictures were assembled in the book, Life Is, Was, and Forever Shall Be Love. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you. It's great to have you on, and I've just enjoyed so much reading uh, the book and reading uh Kristen's poetry and seeing her photographs. She was a photographer, right? And her art. She enjoyed sketches and and taking photos. Yeah. Well, before we get to talking more about the book, and we want to have you read a little uh, poem for the book before the show ends, but talk to us a little bit about Kristen. What what a beautiful uh, young lady she was and I'm sure is. Um, Kristen was a young lady who was very passionate about life. She had an energy and a positive attitude that made you smile. Uh, she was big into smelling the flowers, literally. Um, now, now, now she had a, an autoimmune disease from birth? Yes. Uh, she. We discovered it at the age of two that she had an autoimmune disorder. Uh, it was a genetic um uh, disease that she inherited from me, and we didn't know about it until uh, after I had three children and found out that all three of my daughters had it. Oh, my goodness. And how are the mm-hmm. other two doing? The other two are doing great. Mm-hmm. So um, did, was the, what does that mean? Was she vulnerable to uh, different illnesses and things? Was that how it uh, manifested? She had um, her spleen removed when she was five years old. Oh, my goodness. And um, she was very susceptible to bacterial infections. And um, also with the autoimmune disorder, uh, sometimes the body attacked itself 
Um, and uh, but it was definitely complications to an infection that took her life. Hmm. Now, was she? Um, did you have to care for her a lot? Was she sick a lot? I mean, it looks like uh, from the wonderful book and the pictures and everything, she had a, a fairly normal life. Well, from every outward appearance, she was uh, certainly your typical teenage girl. Um, she had a lot of the physical and emotional challenges that resulted from her chronic illness. Um, but there were, you know, many times that uh, it came in handy that I was a nurse and able to care for her. Yeah, I, oh, I wanted that to ask really you was. that. Were you a nurse before? Yes. I see. So you were already in nursing. And you're in oncology nursing now. Does that have to do with... Her, her death, or were you always in that field? No, um, I wasn't in oncology uh, prior to uh, Kristen's death. Um, I've been drawn to hospice and oncology work um, with my passion to support people in the grief process. Mm-hmm. Heidi, that, that reminds me of thinking of you uh, and ending up getting your um, degree, get, doing your dissertation on sibling loss and, and people telling you that wasn't a good idea. Absolutely. You know, Debbie, I did my um, doctoral dissertation on the sudden death of a sibling and then went on to devote my life to working with people around grief and loss and hope and healing. And it was interesting doing my dissertation around sibling loss because I thought that my committee would be really supportive, and they actually tried to talk me out of it. And I didn't know um, if that's ever... I'm not surprised by that. And I have found similar reactions from professionals who... I've had someone tell me recently that I'm too involved in my grief work and that I need to distance myself from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't agree with that, of course. I absolutely agree with you. And it's interesting because, you know, the the old school of thinking in psychology was that you should never, ever be emotional at all. And, you know, we now know that it's okay as long as our clients don't have to take care of us. It's okay to have a tear in your eye or be moved by somebody's story. I mean, we're human. And I always I think say... I I can better help someone because I have lived with a chronic illness myself mm-hmm. and also have been a care provider for someone that suffered a chronic illness. So I think I have some insight and some compassion uh, for the road and journey they're traveling. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Heidi and I were talking about it earlier. Um, you know, my uh, Heidi's brother and my son died suddenly in an automobile accident at 17. And I was saying to Heidi, it, it's interesting because uh, people will say to me uh, when I do, I know you are involved with Compassionate Friends Group, and I am too, and and when we get into groups, some people will say to me, wow, I'm glad um, my child didn't die suddenly. I don't know what I'd do. And then I am looking at them and thinking, wow, I'm glad my kid didn't have a long-term illness. I don't know what what I would do. So, you know, comparing losses, it's kind of a strange thing. But also, with a long-term illness, don't you? It isn't a lot of your life committed to that. I mean, Scott died, and you know he was a teenager, and I I was working, and so it didn't interrupt my whole you know my whole life. And then we were talking about little kids. So if you're taking care of little kids, that can also you're spending more time doing that. So I don't well, know. What and, are your thoughts? And, on and your identity can be wrapped up around being a care a caretaker too, a caregiver. Very much so. And uh, I'm also a moderator for the Compassionate Friends um, 
website or Facebook uh, group for loss following a long-term illness. Oh, wow. uh, one thing I do find uh, with most people is it really has impacted every aspect of their life mm-hmm. because um, they are a care provider, and uh, with a chronic illness, it it just begins to um, involve every aspect of life. Well, you know, and I'm thinking, Debbie, I think of my friend Diane Gray. You know, when her son Austin started getting worse, I mean, and he had a long-term illness and died at 14, but, you know, she had a lot of people coming into her home. She modified her entire home to accommodate his needs, and then all of a sudden after his death, people were gone. Her home needed, you know, needed a renovation again because he no longer needed to be, he was no longer there. So, I mean, it really impacted her on so many levels. On so many levels, on an identity, on a purpose and role, uh, on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I love this conversation because I think it's telling people that don't be surprised if this is going to happen. It's normal. It's happened to other people. You'll get there. You know, all the wonderful things that happen when you're at Compassionate Friends and meet other people who've been on the journey. What do you think parents need most when they've lost a child? Patience with themselves, with other people, and just being patient with yourself and allowing yourself to hurt. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes... We try so hard to be perfect in so many different ways, and there's no right way to grieve. Um, and it, we're not understood, and it's a very lonely place. And I guess I would just advise people to be kind to themselves and be patient and just um, keep breathing. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of being kind to yourself because I think often, like you were saying earlier, we do try to – we are – trying to be perfect, and we judge the way that we're grieving. I mean, and if we're having a hard day and we haven't gotten out of bed or if we're sitting around in our robe, we judge ourselves. We're lazy. Get up. Why are we doing this, you know? So being kind to yourself, I think, is is really key. Very true. And time is such a factor. I mean, it takes time. I mean, the world does just not appreciate the amount of time. I don't think realize the amount of time that it takes, and it's really hard when family and friends kind of feel like, okay, you should be getting over this now, and you're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like we say, you don't get over a person, but you learn to live without them, and that is Correct. the goal. Yeah. What about um, blended families? I know, uh, I assume you have a blended family. No, actually, uh, I don't. Um, I will tell you what happened in my situation is um, I obviously was very depressed after Kristen's death, and um, my husband thought that if he filed for divorce, it would snap me out of my depression. Um, And so one month before our 25th wedding anniversary, um, I was divorced. Oh, my gosh. Um, and uh, so it's not a blended family. It was just we both grieved very different. And um, 
we just weren't there to support each other. And as Darcy Sims often said, we used our differences as weapons against us and not bridges to bring us together. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, the reason I said that was because you did, you went back to your maiden name? Correct. Oh, okay. Okay. I assume that was a blended family. Oh, my goodness. Uh, People are concerned about the risk of divorce after a loss. I know that. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that? The one thing that I guess I learned the hard way is that we do all grieve different. And like I said, there's no right or wrong way. But to really have that acceptance of the variation of grieving processes. One isn't um, better or worse than the other. They're just different. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and that's why I love the Internet, because for some of us, going to chapter meetings at Compassionate Friends and being in front of people and seeing people is healing. But for some of us, like you said, Debbie, I mean, you're running the Facebook loss following a long-term illness page, which I love, because some people would prefer to be, you know, on Facebook and in an online chat room rather than face-to-face. Correct. So, and there's, um, there's a convenience issue as well. Mm-hmm, you, can, yeah. you can go to Facebook when it's convenient and when you have the need, um, where sometimes we don't always have chapter meetings at the moment that we most need it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there aren't chapter meetings in people's areas either. True. And the other piece is, you know, some of us, sometimes the, the hardest time in the day is at 2 and 3 in the morning when everybody's asleep, when no one's around, and you can log on to Open to Hope and listen to a show like this one, or you can go to Facebook and get into some of these chat rooms and get support immediately. That's so true. And there is that sense of feeling so alone. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that people know they're not alone in this. Absolutely. And I wanted to say something about the idea of the sudden death versus the long-term illness. And what I've heard over the years is this, that people, even when people have children and siblings that have illnesses, they still believe in their heart of hearts that there's going to be a miracle and that they are going to live. And when they finally do die, they're still absolutely in disbelief and in shock, just like with somebody that dies suddenly. I can't stress that enough. Mm -hmm. And it has been my experience and has been the experience of most people that I have worked with um, following uh, death, following a chronic illness, is that death always comes as a surprise. That Uh reality is just a cold slap. And uh, no one can really be prepared for that. Absolutely, I totally agree, and and that covers all de- all deaths for older people, younger people. I mean, I know people grieve very hard for a ninety year old uh, relative. It depends on a lot of factors: how much you're with them, you know, how, what roles they play in your life. There's so many things going on. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the book, uh, the wonderful book that you put together. Tell us how that came about, That's and about the scholarships. Okay, after Kristen died, I started finding more and more of her poetry and uh, sketches that she had drawn or photos that she had taken, and um, people were requesting copies of them, and um, friends and family said, gee, you know, you really should put a book together, and um, that idea just kind of, I ran with it, 
and uh, Kristen always had this dream of writing a novel, and uh, she may not have a novel, but she certainly has a book of all of her poetry. Uh, and with some lovely, lovely pictures in it, too. And her uh, her art. Is that her art also? Yes. It's all her artwork. Yeah. Very, a very talented person. And it's uh, fun to see pictures of her, too. And I was telling Heidi um, some of the, the, the poems are, are fun because they're, I mean, they're kind of the teenage thing about love and you know, and you can just see through her life, she's talking about what came up for her as a normal teenager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things about the book is Kristen expressed a lot of experiences and feelings that really encompass the full circle of life. Um, but she had the ability to express those feelings in words. And um, a lot of the things that she shared really do transcend age, gender, and experience because they're all connected with that human element that mm-hmm. challenges most of us at some point in time. Oh, wonderful. Well, why don't you read something from Life Is, Was, and Forever Shall Be. Oh, but first you need to tell about the scholarship mm-hmm. and how people could get the book. Okay. Um After Kristen's death, um, we developed a Memorial Scholarship Foundation in her memory. Kristen had this um, selfish determination to give to others in whatever capacity she could, and she was uh, big in helping other people with their dreams. And the scholarship just seemed to be in a very appropriate way for her continuing to help others achieve those goals and dreams. And um, so we do have an annual scholarship for people uh, that are going on to either um, tech school or high college or some advanced education. And how would I find out about that? Uh that is, uh, there is a website with that. And what is that website? Um, I don't know it offhand. Uh, you don't? Okay. Well, if people get in touch with us, we can tell them what the website is. Do you have a website for the book? Um, no, I do not. Okay. All right. So why don't you read us? And if you, if you want to know more about the scholarship, you can get in touch with Open to Hope. And you, would you like to read one of uh, Kristen's sure. poems for us? Um, I'm going to pick the one poem that the book is named after, and it's entitled Life. Life is love, laughter, and liberation. It is sorrow, strife, and strain. Life is romance, regal, and rapture. It's heartache, absurdity, and pain. A bed of roses smelling oh so sweet, but in it lie thorns hidden and sharp. Life is an essence behind a gossamer veil. It is sweet and sour. It's sacred and sometimes sacrificed. And yet, despite its inconsistencies, life is, was, and forever shall be love. Wow. Oh, wow. I love that. That is so beautiful. So wonderful. Oh, taking my breath away. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Debbie, and for all the work you've done in Kristen's name and keeping her memory alive through this book. 
It's been my pleasure. I appreciate being on the show with you. Thanks, Debbie. This was wonderful. Well, Heidi, oh, that our guests take my breath away. Yeah, I love that, and I love I love the name of the book and and the poem and life is was and forever shall be love, and that is so true. And you know, Kristen's memory lives on through all the work that Debbie's doing. Absolutely. We want to thank you for listening to the show today, and Heidi and I always want to remind you to visit us at opentohope.com, where you can listen to radio shows, watch YouTube 24-7. If you've got a loved one who is in distress right now, please tell them about opentohope.com. And Heidi and I always want to remind you, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.